Well, Olive Branch, thank you for joining us. We've been rolling through this series called Knowing You, and this is the last installment in this entire series. And what we've been doing is examining the conversation, the concept of spiritual growth. And we've been taking it primarily from this text here in Romans chapter 12, where it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, obviously, then we jumped into the fact that, hey, in this spiritual growth, we're talking about knowing ourselves rightly, right? For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And, and we've been examining this text primarily to understand that in order for spiritual growth to happen, in order for you and I to grow in knowing Jesus and grow in becoming people of character like God, grow in being people of God's kingdom, we have to know ourselves rightly, right? We've been saying, how in the world can you know where you're going if you don't know where you are? And that is precisely the point, to develop spiritually. We need to know ourselves rightly. And so we have looked at our character, our nature. We've looked at our capacities. We have examined our bodies. We have examined our values. We have examined our communities. And all of these things, including our sin, comes together to give us a picture of who we are. And that's been the aim, so that you and I can begin to grow. But hey, here's the point. I've I've taken counseling. I've gone through even 12-step programs before to really examine myself, to look at my past, my history, and to figure out what's going wrong. But let me just be honest. When you've looked at your past, you've discovered all these things, it doesn't change you. It doesn't change anything. In fact, what happens is it only gives you the foundation now to move out. Now that you know where you're at, you've got to figure out where you're going to go. And this is the critical point that we're moving into now. Brent, when we were talking about this sermon, told me a story that he'd gone through when he was a young man. He had broken his nose, and it was pretty bad, so his mom took him to the doctor. And while he uh, was brought into the doctor's office, uh, they were talking about, okay, well, we need to fix his nose, straighten it out, get it all kind of um, made back normal because, you know, that's pretty messed up. And so they they took him and said, look, it's going to be uncomfortable. You'll be okay. And he's like, really? It's going to be okay? He's like, yeah. So they strapped him down, strapped him down on the table, arms tied, legs tied, and he's like, Oh, so this is go- this isn't going to hurt. Tied his head down. He's like, "Oh no, this, this is going to hurt, but it'll be okay." And they took a long metal rod, shoved it up one side of the nose, took a hook up the other side, and pulled, pulled, pulled. And he's screaming, and his legs are flopping. Now, obviously, he's got anesthesia, but it's it's still crazy, scary, and painful. And and suddenly, he, the doctor and his mom are standing over him, looking, going, "Like, yeah, you think that's right?" Little- yeah, a little crooked still, maybe a little bit more. She's like, yeah, a little bit more. And Brent's like, no, 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 no. It's good. We're fine. We're perfect. I don't care. It can be bent. It can be, we're done. He's like, no, you got to understand. If you don't go through this pain and it's not straightened out, you are not going to breathe right for the rest of your life. And so he had to go through the rest of that pain. Now, that's a great analogy to the fact that you and I, if we're going to be transformed into Christ, there's going to be some pain. There's going to be some difficulty. We know where we're at, and it's not good to stay here. Now it's time to move. It's time 
to grow. And what God is calling us to do is to be transformed and to be moved forward so that our lives are made right. But we've got to move forward. In fact, the way I want to put it is now that we know ourselves rightly, we don't just stop. We don't just stay. We need to let Christ write us. We need to allow him to take us into sometimes those painful places, sometimes those beautiful places, sometimes those difficult places, so that we can become like him. Just like Brent, on that table, there's just some more adjustment that needs to be made. But also, just like that rod that's going to make it straight, just like that mold, just like those braces that maybe some of you you had to have as kids, um, they're going to make your teeth straight. We need a mold. We need something that's going to shape and change us. We're either going to be conformed to this world or transformed by our minds into Christ. We're going to be shaped into Christ, and Jesus Christ is the mold that you and I need to have in our lives in order to grow. And so what God's going to do is He's going to call us to this transformation in Christ. That means we've got to line ourselves up with Christ. We've got to put ourselves with Christ in certain ways. And I'm just going to start off with just to help us kind of understand how with this idea of dressing. See, God actually calls us to dress ourselves like Christ. And and you're thinking, what does that have to do with spiritual growth? Well, you'll see here in a second. When we talk about the renewal of your mind, there is a passage in the book of Ephesians that matches up rather well. It's in Ephesians chapter 4. And in Ephesians 4, Paul has just been discussing this new life they've come into, that now they can put, they can begin to live and walk in a new way. And so he then says this in verse 22. He says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Now, now look at this carefully for a minute because what you see is a lot of dressing conversation. The, this is about your old self, your old identities, which belongs to your former manner of life, the way that you live. These things went together. And what was going on in the ancient world is the old self was you were a Gentile, you were a Jew, maybe you were a, you know, a Greek, you were a Roman, maybe you were a Parthian, you were of some other place, maybe you were a slave or you were free. All of these status all of these nations had certain expectations and obligations to the gods, to your community, to your roles, to your status. And so what Paul is saying is, look, in this new life, you have an old self, you have an old way of living that's been corrupted by deceitful desires. You need a transformation. Our old identity is about our old former way, our old nature, our old capacities, our old things. And so in order to move forward, we have looked at ourselves. And so I want you to start with asking yourself this question. What is my old self? What's my old identity? If I'm in Christ now, how do I identify myself maybe wrongly still? Or through this series, I've discovered, wow, I am seeing myself in the wrong way. Or I'm putting something primary. Our culture loves to do this. Our identity, to be honest, is often met in one of the smaller areas we've discussed. Maybe it's your community because you, uh, you work in a certain place, so you've overemphasized your job. Maybe it's your skin color and you've overemphasized your race. Maybe it, is your, um, maybe it is your capacity, your intelligence, and you've overemphasized that, or your interests, and so you're a nerd and you've overemphasized, whatever it is. Many of us have chosen an identity that is actually just a portion of who we are. And the question I want to ask you as you begin, so you can identify this, is really... What is it that you've loved the most? What is it that your mind floats to when you're done? What is it that you find 
you kind of wrap yourself into? Is it a capacity? Is it a desire? Is it a community? Is it a value? And you'll discover quickly how that has trumped being made in God's image and having all of this value and all these things that we've discussed. And we need to see that because when we grasp this, like for me, it was basketball and education and being creative. And when I grasp this, I realize, wow, that's my old self. And that leads to a manner of life, a way that I've lived. Being nerdy and reading stuff and being cocky and telling everybody what to do and trying to be the best at basketball and cocky on the basketball court, whatever it was, I found that the things I cared about became the things I pursued and they shaped my attitude, they shaped my character, and they shaped my way of treating people. I had a manner of life. And so how is your identity in your old self shaped the way that you're living? Has it brought you around certain kinds of people? Has it put you in a situation where you realize they're not good for me or, you know, I'm doing things that are not healthy for me. Maybe it's some kind of addiction. Maybe it's some kind of partying. Maybe it's even some kind of food problem. You name it. There's lots of these things that our old identity leads to. And so when we see this, we have to come to grips with something I had to come to grips with when I got married. You see, I was a youth pastor and I love talking to students and doing what I'm doing. And when I finally got married three years into, into my youth ministry, I still remember my wife finally sitting me down and saying, Greg, you have no idea how to dress appropriately. And she was 100% right. I had no clue what I was doing. I didn't read magazines. I didn't care about that stuff. I didn't pay attention to it. I had no idea. And I would wear, you know, stripes with plaid. It was just, it was awful. And so she was just like, look, this, she, she sat me in the closet. She says, look, this goes with this. It doesn't go with that. Don't do that. I'm like, I don't understand. Like, it's solid. With, you know, she had to walk me through the basics step by step. Those color shoes with this, that with that. Don't wear long socks with shorts. Whatever it was. And I had to take in her advice and learn. I still am. So, please, don't get on me. But the point was simply that I couldn't dress myself appropriately for the fashion that I needed, for the way that it would be attractive, you know, that kind of thing. In the same way, guys, our old self, we've put on like clothing. We've worn it. We're living it. We don't know how to dress rightly. And so what God has come and told us in his scriptures to do is to put it off, to take it off, to remove it, to put off the old self and dress rightly in the new self. And so what we see here is a beginning place of how we change. Now that we know where we are, what's the first thing that we do? Drop the old self. Let's put it off. Let's take it off. This means stopping doing certain things. Stop drinking. Stop, stop going to the club. Stop hanging out with those people. Stop watching so much TV. Stop eating all of the, all the rich foods and things because you know it's causing harm. Stop lying about your job or lying about what happened. There's lots of things that we need to stop doing. But it also means there's things we've got to stop believing about ourselves. Stop believing that you can't do this thing or I don't have the capacity for that or stop believing that God didn't call you or make you into somebody who's valuable. Stop believing that your body isn't, isn't what it should be and that God made a mistake, right? We have certain things that we need to start, we need to stop saying about ourselves. Some of you are literally Calling yourselves, hey, I'm an addict, or I'm a this, or I'm a that. I can't be helped. I'm stuck. I'm sick. I'm. And look, there are certain things that we just shouldn't be saying about ourselves because they're not true. But they are deep in our old identity. And we need to stop these things and put them off. 
and start something new. Because, look, it is hard to stop. It is hard to put off the old. In fact, it's going to feel like a violation to some of you. Like, this is who I am. You're telling me to stop being me. And I'm telling you, this is not who you are. It is a portion of who you are, but it's not the whole of who you are. And some of it is a lie that we bought. Some of it is just a desire that needs to be shaped. Some of it is just immaturity that needs to grow up. Look, I know that's hard for you to hear. That's hard for a lot of people. But we cannot baptize the bad in us. We cannot say it's awesome because God wants you to put off the old self. In boot camp, they will strip you down, shave your head, make sure that all your identity factors are gone because they're ready to shape you into a soldier. They're trying to bring you into something else. And let me tell you, that's difficult in our culture of identity, but it's worth it. It is absolutely worth it because of who you are already becoming. Because there is a new identity that's coming and we need to know that new identity because it's got to be worth taking off the old self and putting on the new self. So you don't just take something off, you also put something on. So what do we put on? What does it look like? Well, it's going to be shaped in righteousness and holiness. Oh, those are great words for our culture. Let's put it this way. The Spirit of God comes into your life to shape you and change you to bear fruit in your life. And here's the fruit that it states. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Who doesn't want to become a more loving person? Somebody who's more self-sacrificial on behalf of other people to see them lifted up and grow. Who doesn't want to be more joyful, right? I'm, I don't want to be a sourpuss. I don't like being grumpy, man. I want to see the joy of life. I want to enjoy life. I want to be that happy, excited, joyful person even when I'm in difficulty. You know, I want peace, not anxiety and difficulty. I want to be patient with people and not just always, come on, come on, come on. I want to be kind. I don't want to be rude and angry. Now, that stuff comes out of me, but what God does, He changes us to be kind and good and faithful and self-controlled and gentle. All these things. This is the life we're putting on. The old life doesn't produce that. It produces selfishness. It produces sin. It produces anxiety and grumpiness. and It produces meanness. It produces out-of-control living. And so God comes in to put on something new. Man, this is a good kind of living. And it is worth putting off that old identity to put on the new, to put on what we've been called to. And so we are putting on Jesus Christ. We're putting on this new self created after the likeness. There it is, the image of God. You and I are made in that image. You and I are made in who He is. And so we need to start putting on, taking on, start certain things in our lives. We need to start serving Or we need to start creating. We need to start giving. We need to start exercising. We need to start a diet. Maybe you need to start some new beliefs. And you need to start solidifying those in. You need to remind yourself daily and start remembering, hey, I'm made in the image of God. I'm made in the likeness of God. Hey, I am. God values my life by giving His life for me. I'm going to remember these things. You know, there are some things I need to start saying about myself, that I'm a child of God. You know, I am forgiven. I I am going to be used by God for His kingdom. These are great things that God has called us to do and to be and to know. We need to start doing this, but this takes practice and this takes work. We're going to take off the old self, put on the new self in Christ. The question is, okay, how do we do that? Now, I want to challenge you in a few ways. As you take off and put on, you get dressed like Christ. First and foremost, it's going to look like that mold, that iron bar that's coming in. It's going to have some pain with it. But you start with molding the body in sacrifice. Now, 
you're like, molding the body in what? Mold the body in sacrifice. And, and here it is. When you mold the body in sacrifice, what you have is this idea that you're transforming into Christ. When I was young, I used to watch basketball videos by Pistol Pete Maravich. Amazing ball player. He had great ball handling skills. And you could see why in the drills because he would do crazy things like teach you to spin the ball on your finger and throw a ball around your head and around your waist and around your legs and do all these complicated moves. And to be honest, when I'd watch it, I was like, that's really cool. But I had no idea why it was important because I played center, which is funny because I'm barely six feet tall, right? And that's not tall enough, that barely tall enough to be what's called the point guard. I needed the ball handling skills, which I didn't understand because if I had perfected those the ball would go where I wanted it to go. I wouldn't lose it off my foot when I was dribbling. I wouldn't be um, confused when I was trying to pass. The ball would do what I wanted to do because my body was trained to do what it should do. In the same way, you and I need to get our bodies in line through sacrifice because it's our spiritual act of worship so that we can be a people who are, when God calls us to act, are moving. So we can be a people that when God says go, we go. That when you, God wants to hit the gas, we're moving forward. And it's not a stall. And that takes time. When you put on the new Christ and He says, love that person, you're like, I can do that. When you say, have self-control, it's like, oh, I don't need to worry about it. I'm moving. And this is where spiritual disciplines comes in. Spiritual disciplines are really a practice in which we move our body and our mind to line up with God's desires and to put off old selves and old tendencies and identify even more. What I want to do is walk you through some of these because they're important in order to mold your body and sacrifice. In fact, the way the scriptures put it, it says, let not, your, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. It can rule your, your body uh, to make it obey its passions. But don't, pres- don't present your bodies as, uh, to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God. So, so you have an option. Give yourself over to your sin and your body will do what it always does. Or give yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Here you are. You can hand your body over to God on a regular basis and it will be trained, it will be transformed by God. And this is going to be hard. This is a no pain, no gain situation. You see, so much of our desires, our passions, are from our body. Sexual sin begins from passions from our body. Gluttony begins from desires to eat in our bodies. Vicious curiosity where we invent and find out about evils comes from inquiry from our minds, a curiosity in our body. All of these things begin in the body and they move toward sin. And so what we need to be is we need to be the people ready to take off the old and put on the new. And so there's some practices. There's some taking off practices. There's some disciplines that honestly are called disciplines of abstinence. And these help you remove and take certain things off that may have pulled you down. The basic one in these disciplines is fasting. Fasting is the removal of something in your life so that God becomes center. Jesus put it this way. He said, when you fast, not if you fast, he expects Christians to fast. He says, well, don't, do, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites and disfigure your face so everybody knows. That's not his point. He says, but you're going to fast. And in this case, it meant fasting food. You're going to say, I'm not eating. Why? Because it is a basic passion of your body. It is a basic desire of your body to eat. And when you tell your body no, you begin to learn how to tell your body no in other places. 
There are sections in Scripture that tell you, hey, take a time out if you're married from sex, but only to pray. And that's the attachment to fasting. Fasting and prayer goes together. I say I'm denying myself of some desire. Maybe it's your cell phone. Maybe it's entertainment. Maybe you're saying we're fasting screens. We're fasting. Um, we're going to fast the computer. You know what? Some of you guys are going, I'm going to fast work. That, you know, that, that doesn't work, but that's Sabbath. We'll get there in a second. But you want to get to this place where we're fasting something your body craves. And by telling your body no, you're learning self-control. You're beginning, to, you're beginning to guide it towards God because then you're bringing it, you're putting on prayer. So with all of these, you have this take-off, put-on mentality. And so fasting is critical as part of this showing us how to mold the body. A second one is Sabbath, and I mean this by rest. And I'm not talking vegging out. Rest and Sabbath uh, are different than vegging out and, and just goofing around. When you Sabbath, when you rest like this, you get to, yeah, take some naps, man. Just don't go work. Don't go do the housework. Don't go doing all kinds of stuff and cooking. No, just take a breather. Sit down with the Bible. Meditate on some scripture. Invite God into your life. Allow Him to begin to move. Allow Him to begin to recreate you in some ways. Yeah, take up a hobby. But bring God into it, allowing Him to begin to work. Don't waste time. Engage. If you feel like you need to veg, take a nap, man. You're working too hard. We've got to be a kind of people who can rest you're supposed to work six days, rest one, right? Boom. And in that rest, you're inviting God into your life. You're giving that day over to the Lord. That is a discipline. It's hard because sometimes you're reading your Bible and you're bored. Maybe God's asking you to get engaged with your boredom. To get rid of that. Tell your body and the craving to do, do, do. No. And in that, you begin to rest. In that, you begin to change. You begin to slow your pace of life down. These are critical as we understand giving our bodies over to Christ. One of the advanced ones is silence and solitude. Jesus did silence and solitude. In fact, early in the book of Mark, we find that it's a common thing that Jesus would do. Rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. And this idea of silence and solitude has been known in the Christian church for for. All, all of its existence as we will get away in a place where we're, it's quiet so we can hear our own minds. And what you'll begin to discover is what your brain runs to, what your mind's wigging out on, all the anxiety that's pulling you, all the things you need to go do right now. And Jesus didn't do any of that. He stopped and he spent time with his father in prayer. He got alone where nobody could bug him. That means turning off cell phones, shutting down uh, all your all your tweets and all that stuff, putting the social media away. Be alone. Get some time. The reason I tell you, you know, you're going to need some time for this is it, you're only going to last about five, ten minutes before your brain starts going crazy in our culture. And to be in silence, you're going to hear all your flesh's desires, and it is a horribly difficult experience. Something I believe we should all be doing to help us really learn and grow. But these kinds of abstinences, these kinds of giving things up, shape us. Giving is another one of those. The reason we do offering and we do giving during our services is to give people a small dose of, of self-sacrifice, a little bit of giving up of their work because money equates to your work during the week. Money equates to your time during the week. And what happens is when we quantify that into financial realities, you are saying, here's a little bit of my time. Here's a little bit of my life. God, I give it to you. I trust you. It will help you build trust in God as He gives you what you need, as He provides for you. And it is an action of absence and sacrifice. 
These are all some very simple disciplines that you can do. Simple as in simple ideas, but they're difficult. And they're just as difficult as the next section, which is really a, a spiritual disciplines of engagement. In this case, something you're going to put on, something you're going to engage and do. For example, simple obedience. One of the hardest things in my life is this idea of simple obedience. I know I'm struggling with controlling things. I know I'm struggling with getting angry. And one of the simple things that God's been kind of instructing me to do is don't change lanes when I get behind a slow person. That's not fun. It's super hard, and it is driving me crazy. But when in those moments, God's working on me, going, is this as important as you think it is? Is this important as you think it is? Yesterday, I got interrupted over and over and over because I wanted to do something. And today, God's right now, while I'm saying this, asking me, is this as important as you think it was? He is trying to show me that the controlling nature needs to be rooted out and dealt with. And that happens when you do simple obedience. Maybe for you, it's calling somebody every day. Maybe for you, it's, it's giving forgiveness to somebody every day. Maybe for you, it's going to an HOA meeting. No, that's me. But the bottom line is that we need to be a people who do these simple obedience, simple steps of obedience. Another one is add in prayer. Put on some prayer in your life. Put on some opportunities to get with God and talk to Him. And when we do that, it's conversing with Him. Start with the Lord's Prayer. Add in some other aspects of prayer. Keep a prayer journal. See how God is answering your prayers so it builds your faith. Maybe it's worship. Maybe you're singing songs. You're thinking and meditating on psalms or songs. Thinking about the lyrics and what's going on there. It's Bible reading and meditation. It's getting in the Word of God. And this is critical to all of these functions. All the disciplines often come from this one fundamental one of Bible reading and meditation. Notice what the Scripture says. Blessed is the man that talks about who doesn't walk in all these things in sin. But he goes on. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's constantly thinking about the Word. He's constantly thinking about what God has to say. He can quote it like I can quote a Prince's Bride quote, right? He can nail that Scripture down because it's on his mind. This is a discipline. He's asking good questions. He's digging in. He's studying and thinking about it. And we need to have the Word of God sealed into our hearts and our minds like this. Meditation, by the way, is not just... Om meditation is thinking it through, mulling it over, over and over and over again. Now, the next one is he's really calling us to serving. Are you in a ministry? Are you giving of your time? Are you giving of yourself? You're taking on somebody else's need and meeting it. That is an action that is really difficult, but some of us need to break selfishness by the spiritual discipline of serving. And I'm not talking about because your kids are on a sports team. I'm not talking about volunteering. I'm talking about serving, getting engaged, having a commitment that you're going to meet no matter what because, man, I'm out to serve. This is a discipline for me. It's a training that God is giving me. I'm giving my body over to something, and he's going to do it. Another one may be evangelism. We have an um, awesome man in our church who made this a commitment. He said, I'm going to evangelize every single person at my workspace. And that's exactly what he's been doing. And it doesn't matter. He, at first, he was nervous and scared. And as God has brought fruit and challenged people, it's getting easier and easier for him. It's become a discipline to walk up to somebody and begin a spiritual conversation and move it straight to the gospel. And he's getting more and more effective as he's availing himself to God. And all the disciplines understand one thing. The enemy is close at hand. And he's ready to stop you. He's ready to push you down and hold you back. But you have to persevere. This is not easy. This is not simple. You're going to have to push and push and push 
to get your body and your, and your life into alignment with God. So be patient because these are hard. But everything hard's worth it. It is worth it. It is difficult, but worth it. And so let me give you a couple hints. Number one, grow incrementally. Don't be an all or nothing person, right? If you goof one time, don't go, well, I'm done. I never didn't do it right. No, this is about doing it more than less. It's not what you do some of the time. It's what you do most of the time. Make this part of the most of the time. And maybe you start with 15 minutes to learn this in exercise, right? First, my exercise is going to be 30 minutes at this certain weight. Well, if I'm going to grow, I've got to add one thing, either a longer time or another set of reps or a heavier weight. And the same thing with prayer or any of these disciplines. You start with 15 minutes or 30 minutes or a day. You start with fasting a meal and then you go to two or then you go to uh, you know, a day and so on. Add to the discipline. Start small, grow it from there. And you'll begin to see that over time, this begins to develop into a spiritual habit. This becomes a way for your body to obey God because you're getting self-control. Now, growth takes time, and I'm saying time. We're calling you to an annual evaluation like this. And we want you to annually set out a plan for your spiritual development. Understanding, though, that many times it takes upwards of three years to really lock in character change. Hey, for our microwave environment, for us who like to just have a video instantaneously and watch it, we don't want to wait for the next show to come out, so we binge watch the entire thing. That is a hard call to think, man, it's going to take me three years. We know where we're at. We know where we want to go. We don't want to stay here. So are you willing to fight for it? Are you willing to push? Are you willing to go? Because this is the calling and these spiritual disciplines give you an opportunity to really shape and hone it in. And so we're going to mold the body because we want to take off the old self and put on the new. We want to become like Christ and He's given us these opportunities through His Spirit to be developed like this. Now, also then, this isn't just a body thing, right? It's also a mind, a spirit thing. And so we want to mold the mind in truth. Remember what this text is saying. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupted through the deceitful desires. So we're going to take that off. We're going to stop doing, stop thinking, stop doing these things. And we're going to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Now we're going to have that transformation, that renewal of the minds, that, that change in our bodies. Why is the mind so critical to yours and my transformation? Well, we already said this. The way that you identify yourself leads to your manner of life. The way you think about yourself is the way that you're going to act. And we need to transform how we think so that we can begin to move forward. And there are disciplines that we've talked about, like reading the Scriptures, meditating, memorizing, praying. These things are going to help you in your mind keep the Scriptures there. But there are even other things. You need to learn how to think. Let's be honest. Many of us are better at listening to a pundit on a radio, listening to a pastor in a sermon, listening to somebody else and regurgitating what they said and not asking critical questions, not asking the hard question, not asking, you know, what is, is this, should I believe this? Our baloney meters don't even move because we don't have a baloney meter anymore. And I want to challenge you as Christians to know the God of truth means to understand when it, something's a lie and something's true. You've got to discover that. You need to learn a little bit of logic. You need to take in a little bit of critical thinking. And that will help your mind. It will enable you to begin to think and begin to move forward with truth. Now, really the focus, though, is that you're renewed in your mind because of where you're looking. 
where you're focused. My friend Stephen once took a uh, actual, it was like a car class for emergency situations, and what was interesting, it was like this critical car driving experiences, and they had him say, like, go off the road, and they're like, look, when you go off the road, do not stare at the tree that you're about, you're driving towards. Stare between the trees so you go through them. Don't drive into the tree, and the way you drive into the tree is stare at the tree. Look at the path between the trees and you go through it, because what you look at, that's where you're going. Where you're staring at, that's where you're headed. That is the critical piece that we need to remember. When our minds are focused on the Word of God, and when our minds are focused on the truth, we're headed in that direction. When our minds are focused on the GPS of the Spirit of God saying, turn left, that's where we're headed. See, Scripture puts it this way. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. That's what you're thinking about. When you're silent and in solitude, man, it goes to your cravings, goes to your hunger, goes to your desires, goes to your boredom. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. When you're silent, the mind goes to the Word of God. It goes to prayer. It goes to meditation. It goes to God. And where your focus is where you're going to go. If you are struggling against sin, oftentimes we can over-focus on our sin. Oh man, that's our sin. Last week I said, examine your sins so you know them. But it's not there to focus on them. Don't make them the center of your life. Make God the center of your life. And you'll discover that while you know what your sins are, you understand your hang-ups, the goal is to pursue Christ, to pursue God. And as you learn more about yourselves, it's not to focus on you, it's to focus on God and who He's making you. You're putting off the old self, and now you're focusing on Christ and the truth to put on the new self and the renewal of your mind. You're jamming after God because you've set your mind on the things of the Spirit, right? That's our goal. And so if you're going to combat the lie... Tell yourself the truth. Think about the truth. Memorize the truth. Meditate about the truth. Put it where you can see it. Tell yourself it regularly. Give your, review it often. Pray through it. In fact, engage it and teach it to other people. That's one of the fastest ways to really put in truth into your life. But the greatest way is to live it. So maybe you're going to decide that, hey, in my roles, I want to become a better father. I want to become a better mother. And that means that you're going to step into some information. Well, don't just learn the information. Practice the information. Take it in. Do it immediately. Engage in it. You want to become a better a better person who is hanging out with other people as friends, and you've picked up some information from the Scriptures. You know you're supposed to love. Go practice loving them. Give them a phone call. Find out how they're doing. Pray with them. Engage with them. You want to be a better um, person at Olive Branch. You step into a ministry. Practice the ministry. Do what you're called to, you're being called to do. This is the powerful way to grow. Now, all of these things, molding the mind, molding the body, having a community to enable you to do that is all critical as you know yourself and now you're taking off the old and putting on the new. But in order to make it really happen, you have to be intentional. We say this every year. Intention, we have to intentionally do stuff. We have to intentionally step into Christ's mold. We have to intentionally put ourselves up against God to be shaped. If we don't, we are going to fail. And so I want to challenge you to be intentional. So Jesus put it this way. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So he's talking about discipleship. And he says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. This isn't just, hey, counting up how much how much is going to cost. This is having a plan, looking how much the plan is going to cost me. He's saying, look, how many of you are just going to run willy-nilly after me? Don't do that. Understand what it's going to take. 
to put off your old self, to die to yourself and come after me. There needs to be some determination and intention going into this. And I want to challenge you that. We have a card that's available, and this card is going to ask you three different questions, and I want you guys to be able to look it up. But if you need to write them down, here are your questions. First and foremost, what spiritual discipline do I need to start this year to love Christ more? Our first one is just like, okay, you've got these disciplines to shape your body and your mind. You want to love Christ more? Which one are you going to start? Is it Bible reading this year? Is it going to be prayer? Is it, is it fasting you're going to take in? Is it that you're going to actually begin to, to, to worship with all of your body? What is a spiritual discipline you're willing to step into this year that's going to help you? This should align with what you're struggling with in sin. This should align to whatever role you're trying to develop. This should align to the capacities you're learning about yourself. These are critical, and this way you can step forward. Maybe it's beginning for you just taking the love keystone, where we introduce you to these various disciplines and opportunities, and you step into that, and you start to grow. And we want to just challenge you. What is, what is one thing you're going to do this year to continue to develop in loving Christ? Now, the second one then is, what can I do to live for Christ more this year? Look, we looked at our communities, the spiritual, the natural, even the, uh, even the ones that are built. And we challenged ourselves that, hey, we've we got to take some, one, one out of these, each of these communities, one rule out of each of these communities and live it. I'm asking you now to take one of those and be specific with it. How are you going to move forward in living for Christ this year? Is it as a parent? Is it as a son or daughter of God? Is it in your marriage? In order to do this, we offer all kinds of things here at the church. In fact, it's so critical because when you have a goal to grow, you need somebody to help you out. And that is why we do things like our, our marriage enrichment groups and all of these different kinds of um, workshops and stuff. In fact, right now we have one that's been going and is about to start. And it's kind of this marriage tune-up kit. And we want to invite you to take a peek at it. Maybe this year you want to grow as a couple spiritually and grow better as a husband or a wife. I want you to consider this. This is just an example of the kinds of things that we offer here at Olive Ranch. Watch this. Why did you guys sign up for the marriage deal? We were kind of phoning it in in our relationship. Yeah, we realized that at some point that we were just not communicating like we used to. We focused more on the children than we did on each other. Yeah, our kids were our priority, and we were kind of in the back burner. And so we knew that things needed to change. The, the class gave us tan, tangible tools that we could use to communicate better and, and actually, because that was our goal. We were, we were, our problem was we weren't really on a communication level with each other. So it was tricky to get back into that, and uh, we got some tangible tools from the class to really help us re-engage in that area, as well as to see where we were kind of phoning it in in our marriage from the, some of those personality tests helped see that. And honestly, it was it was a hard time in our marriage during that, that time, so taking the test and noticing the things that we were doing well in kind of gave us hope mm-hmm. that, um, that it's going to be okay, that we're going to get through this. That really helped us to focus on what we, we realized we needed. We didn't really know where to focus when we first came, but the, the class really helped us to see those areas that we were lacking in to help us just. We learned, like Chris said, tangible tools to use in our marriage. And um, you can't get that if you're not willing to go. And so we plan on doing the cohort 
and I just I just think that impacted us and will continue to impact us forever. Those marriage tune-ups are powerful. You heard them talk about their goals and the things that they received from it. Those tools then will help them continue to grow spiritually and in their marriage over the next years. Look, there are counseling. There is opportunities in all kinds of ministry. There are chances for you to use your capacities and your gifts here at Olive Branch so you can grow. Even if you're only online, we need online hosts. We need all kinds of people who are willing to step up and care for each other even in the online community. Right now at Olive Branch, we have available slots for volunteers and, and, and leadership in every single ministry. You could go into any ministry right now and you will not be turned down because we are needing to refill lots and lots and lots of gifted people with you, the gifted people. And so maybe I'm challenging you that this year it's a, hey, I need to step back into church and step back into ministry, reuse my capacities, get back into that habit and grow. So what can you do this year to live for Christ more? Maybe it's that marriage tune-up. Maybe it is something like that or joining a ministry. Finally, to share Christ more, who or what community do I need to pour into? Who or what community do I need to dive in? If, if I'm going to really bring Christ and share Him, how, where am I going to do that? Are you going to gather a new community? Are you going to go to work with the intention of bringing the gospel? Are you going to start a Bible study? What is it you're going to do to really begin to move towards sharing Christ. Because to be honest, that's the goal. Not just to be holy, but to bring people with us. Because we're going to be on target with what Christ has called us to do. We're going to be on that mission. And all of this puts together as we take off our old self, and we put on our new. And I want to encourage you guys to engage in that way. We've been watching that bumper at the beginning. And uh, Amanda's uh, you know, obviously acting. And she's going down the street going like, hey, I don't know where I am. And Jacob's asking. And here's the thing. You may be able to identify a little bit about where you're at, about who you are. But I don't want you to be vague. Oh, there's some yellow stripes. There's goats. I want you to know exactly where you're at. If you haven't worked through the material that we've done in this series, I want to challenge you to do so now so that you can really begin to have a powerful plan of growth over this next year. And so... Maybe you haven't even been had the opportunity to start a group, even an online group. We want to encourage you, you still can. We still have materials. Justin, um, our, our discipleship pastor, is like, hey, let people know. They can still form a group. They can still go through the material. The sermons are recorded. You have an opportunity to go back through them and really grow. And so those of you who are in groups, those of you who are walking right now with people in community that are your Christian friends, Publish this plan with your friends. Publish this plan with your small group so that they can encourage you and hold you to that so you can really, truly develop these characteristics this year. Look, we're going to take off our old selves. We're going to put on the new self. We want to be like Christ. And now that we know who we are, and God willing, you've done the work for that, then we are ready to begin to move toward being who God knows us to be. And I pray that's where we all will go together. Let me pray for you right now as you as we close out this series. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for all those who are watching this. I ask your blessing upon them. I ask that you would help them to work through this material, to know themselves well enough that they can begin to engage spiritually, to grow and develop in you. Would you be exalted in all of these things as you lead them to the disciplines, 
God, as you lead them to the ministries or the classes that they need to grow and develop in the roles, and God, that you'd lead them to people that they can get excited to share the gospel with. In these things, would you be exalted? We thank you, thank you, thank you for the chance to get to understand these things for the sake of your kingdom and that you may shine through us. Do so, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.